Matthew chapter 21, and I'd like for us to go to verse number 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God, and he cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers, and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said unto them, It is written that my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. I'd like for us to read that verse together if we could. And he said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Amen. If you have your word in your hand, if you just hold it close to your heart tonight and ask the Lord to let his word speak to you, would you do that? God, I'm asking you to touch us in this place tonight. Speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. Touch our hearts and our minds and our spirits. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, somebody lift your voice to him tonight. Hallelujah. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Hallelujah. Let the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated, and I want you to go with me to Jeremiah chapter 2. And then Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to teach some pretty heavy things tonight. But I don't want you to be worried. I believe the Lord's going to help somebody see something that could change your life forever. If we'll get a hold of it. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse number 13. I want to tell you that there's nothing like understanding the basic principles of serving God. If we're not careful, we'll overthink this process and get so wrapped up in even doing the right things. You know, it's possible to spend your whole day working for the kingdom and never praying. It's real easy for pastor to do that, to spend the whole day working for the Lord and not give God time. You can spend a whole week at a conference or a whole week doing something that's kingdom related and not do the most basic essentials of serving God. In Jeremiah 2 and 13, he said, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. He said, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. Never stops flowing. But they've hewn out cisterns, broken cisterns, that hold no water. Now just follow this logic. If you've forsaken the fountain where the water comes out, and the life that you have chosen to live, the way that you've chosen to live, is a broken cistern that holds no water, so there's no source of water and there's nothing to hold water, What are you going to do in a dry season? You're going to die. He said, if you have forsaken me, it's two evils. You forsook me, 
and what you've chosen will not hold any water. Revelation 2. I know thy works. Revelation 2 and 2. And thy labor and thy patience and how you can not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not. And you found them liars. So he said you got a little discernment working. You have borne and had patience. And for my name's sake you have labored and not fainted. Everybody say way to go. That's good isn't it? He said you've done some good things for the Lord. And then comes this big word. It's like a conjunction in the English language. It's kind of like but you know. He said nevertheless. I have something against you, he said. You have left your first love. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you tonight, in all of the getting that we get, and all of the blessings of God that this church has, we cannot afford to forsake our first love. There are churches that are forsaking their first love for the sake of growth. I'm going to let that sink in. They're forsaking their first love so that they can grow. They are forsaking the principles of the scripture so that they can have mass amounts of growth. I ask you, what good does it do for the church to reach the world? And this is not a trick question. I mean this sincerely, and I don't want it to sound harsh. I mean it from my heart. What good does it do us to reach the world with worldly things? If we're not changing hearts and lives, or in other words, if the power of God through us is not changing hearts and lives, what what are we doing? Why don't we just join the Lions Club or the Kiwanis Club or find us a club that we can belong to and just go be a part of that? Just go... Hang out at the country club and enjoy all the meals and the times together that they have. God did not ordain his church to be a community club. He ordained us to be a soul-saving, life-changing station. And the church is not the building that you're in tonight. The church is the precious people that are seated within this building tonight. If the world is going to be changed, it's not going to be changed with this microphone and these cameras. It's going to be changed with the precious people that are seated here tonight because the Spirit of God gets a hold of your life and makes such an impact in you that you make an impact on somebody. The plan of God was not for Him to just anoint A preacher to stand in the platform and preach the word of God. You have to have it. It's biblical. It's there. How can they be saved unless they hear? And how shall they hear without a preacher? We know that you must have faith to please God. As a matter of fact, if you don't have faith, it's impossible to please God. And in order to have faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. You've got to have a preacher. And thank God for the preachers that preach the word of God in this church. You've got to have a pastor. 
You've got to have a man of God that's speaking in your life. And you've got to be careful the voices that you allow to speak in your life. But if that voice that's speaking in your life is not making and generating an impact and a change in your life, then it's just sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. We don't just need words that inspire us. We don't just need preaching that makes us feel good. I thank God for every inspiration word that I've heard but I'm tired of inspiration that is not catalyst, a catalyst to change in my life so I want to talk to you tonight about the power of being plugged in tell your neighbor tonight you got to get plugged in Now, I'm going to, like, take 60 seconds to vent some things to you with loving kindness, and, and I'm going to do my best to preach. But I always get nervous when God starts doing great, great things in the church because people get complacent. When the Holy Ghost gets moving and souls are being stirred and baptism, uh, waters of baptism are being troubled frequently, people get They just start relaxing. It's funny because it's like we pray for it, we pray for it, we seek God for it, we fast for it, we preach about it, and then God starts doing it. And instead of it encouraging us to continue in the way, we're like, oh, well, he did it. Okay, good. We pray for revival and then have great, powerful revival. Wasn't Sunday night powerful in here? My God, have mercy. Sunday night was so powerful. It was so powerful. But what happens is people just start, they, it starts feeling good. And so I'm saying to you that it should not be the cycle. And I believe this church is going to break this. But it should not be the cycle. This is not just FPC. This is why guys have preachers come in all the time. This is why I still have an itinerant schedule to keep around the country. Because pastors feel like. They're saying the same thing all the time. They feel like broken records. And we say it and we preach it and we say it and we preach it. Some folks, it makes them happy every time, you know. I could, there's some things in here I could preach that I, I just make some of you happy. It didn't matter what, what it was. As long as it's truth, you're going to be happy. But then there's other things that when we start preaching it and we start getting in where you're living, it's like it makes people mad. It's so funny to me. You can tell when people hadn't been praying. Because when the word starts coming down where they're living, they I'm going to show him. And they sit there and stare at you like a surprise frog on a log. Look like they've been baptized in pickle juice or something. And it's like, I'm going to show pastor. I get, sick of, I get sick of hearing that. I get sick of hearing that. And then an evangelist will come in here. And they'll say the same thing, and your carnal heart will be like, wow! So therefore, we bring people in. And it's a blessing, and it helps. If I get up and preach about people being negative and saying negative things, they're like, hmm, who's been talking to him? Brother Lewis got up here Sunday night and said, you got an earthquake in your mouth, you guys about blew a fuse. 
All he preached Wednesday night is, if you're a sourpuss and talk mean all the time, God's listening. Am I lying? That's what he preached. He said, if you speak it long enough, it's going to happen. And I know, I know, I'm not, this is not the power of positive thinking. This is not a positive thinking rally. But I'm going to tell you, I know some people that have talked about being sick so much when they weren't that they got sick. They convince themselves that it's that bad. It's like it's always on their mind. But it matters what you say. It matters what you say. The last couple of days, I know you're not going to believe this because my family is so perfect. The last couple of days, I have noticed the extravagance of estrogen in my home. (laughs) There's an amazing river of it. It's a fountain not forsaken, I guarantee you. And my baby especially... When she's got something on her mind, she just gets going about it, you know. And the other other day, I believe it was, I believe it was Monday, she was, and I'm not picking on her. She was just kind of griping about something. And I said, Jossie, there's an earthquake in your mouth. <laughs> I know. So, if there is an earthquake in my mouth, And it matters what I say. What do you think starts happening? And I already felt the Holy Ghost kick in right here. Because I know where I'm going and you, hopefully you do too. But what do you think starts happening? When I open up my mouth every day and I say, not my will. But thy will be done. What do you think starts happening in my family when I start praying? Lord, as it is in heaven, so be it in the earth right now. Lord, I worship you and I exalt you. And I don't want my will to get in the way of your will. So I'm asking, Lord, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in earth as it is in heaven. What do you think starts happening when I start saying that? Now, you got to be careful. I'm just being honest with you. Because everybody always asks for wisdom, but they don't want to have the hard questions to answer to have the wisdom. Are you with me? We're constantly saying, Lord, let me walk in victory. Well, okay, here's the deal. Victory means you have to win something. If, I, if I've got victory, that means I won. And in order to win, there had to be a contest. I think I'm going to loosen my tie on that. You can't have victory if you don't go through some things. And God is not just in the ministry of extraction. Sometimes he lets the storm happen and just gets in the boat with you. When he got in the disciples' boat that night, 
before they ever pushed off the shore, he said these words, let us go to the other side. But you forget the words that he spoke when the storm starts blowing in your life. You cannot forget that just because you're in a storm, the storm may feel out of control, but God is not out of control. God is still in control. Man, I want to, I want somebody to get that right there. I wish I had about three hours to preach that. It may feel like it's out of control in your world, but God is not surprised and God is not out of resources and God is not overwhelmed. Woo! If somebody would get that right there, I wouldn't even be able to finish preaching to you tonight. I just don't, I don't understand, Pastor. It's just like it's overwhelming. Yes, we are, but he is not. And y'all, I get it. When it rains, man, it just pours. It's like deluge. But there's got to be a transitional shift in your life that you realize troubles are going to come. And I want you to listen. This is completely counterproductive to what the devil's been lying to you about. I don't care if you're living for God or not. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble if you're backslidden and living in sin and acting like a fool. You're still going to have trouble. And if you're living for God and you're doing your best, you're still going to have trouble. So you got to make the decision, am I going to have trouble without him or am I going to go through trouble with him? Yeah. Pastor, why are you doing this? I'm going to just be honest. Can I just be honest? My motive is revealed. In prayer, I have felt over the last several days, the enemy has been working. There is a lying serpent spirit of discouragement that has been working through this church. It's been working on families. And I know some of you may feel like you're all alone. And I hadn't had one single counseling session. I hadn't talked to nobody. I'm just telling you what I know. I know that the devil is more of a liar today than he was yesterday. He's still a liar. And I've come to speak to that spirit of discouragement tonight. And tell that spirit, it's time for you to leave. You're getting your eviction notice here right now tonight. The hand of God is with this church. And the hand of God is with these great people. And the devil is not going to lie to you and steal your victory. Because you're going to come through this. And when you come through this, then you're going to have the victory. You can't have victory if you don't come through. you got to hold on until it's over. All right, God, I hear you. Come on. All right. We're just going to have a Holy Ghost moment in here. This is going to take us getting over a little pride and a little arrogance. But if you're facing something in your life right now that's so big you don't know how you're going to get through it, I want you to stand. There's getting ready to be some strength that's coming. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. 
I don't, man, I'll finish this some other time if I need to. Church family, I want you to take note. I just felt mighty angels walk in this room. And I want you to take note of every man, woman that you see standing in this room right now. And I want you to find the one that's closest to you. And I just want you to extend your hands towards them right now. And in the name of Jesus, I want, if you got people around you, I just want you to extend your hands. And I don't care if you stand up, what, you're going to pray with authority. My God, come on. In every direction right now, I want you to stretch your hands towards the folks that are standing. It took faith for them to stand. Amen. They're facing some things. They can't even tell you what they're facing tonight. In the name of Jesus, every lying spirit of discouragement, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I speak healing, I speak life, I speak liberty in the name of Jesus. I speak freedom in the Holy Ghost. And I pray right now, Lord, that a spirit of worship would overwhelm these precious people and that the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, would begin to fill their heart, their soul, and their mind in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. Lift your voice like a trumpet right now. Come on, you ain't a cry baby because you break. That's the Holy Ghost moving on you right now. The devil's told you you're weak. You are not weak. When you are weak, he is made strong. Come on, there's a Holy Ghost moving in this room right now. Come on, don't you hold them tears back tonight. You let the Holy Ghost move on you right now. There is a refreshing string that's moving in this room right now. We're not in any hurry right here. Come on, let's just take a minute. Woo! Hallelujah. 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 Come on, this is the beauty of the body of Christ right here. Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're going to fight for one another, not each other. We're not going to fight each other. We're going to fight for each other tonight. The devil is a liar. You just watch God move. You just watch God move. You just watch God show up and do the impossible. You just watch God do it. Come on, let's just fill the room with praise right now. Come on, Jesus, have your way in here. 
If you feel that refreshing touch, I just want you to give God praise right now. And if you're having a hard time feeling it, I want you to praise him until you do. Woo! The devil is a liar! Sweet Holy Ghost. Sweet Holy Ghost. Sweet Holy Ghost. Come on, one more time. Clap those hands. There's an earthquake in your mouth right now. Give God praise. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can be seated. Let's work through some of this. You'll see why that was important. That was not planned. But when the Holy Ghost is ready to heal and work, we're going to let it happen. Any plans we got in this church, we can throw them out anytime the Lord wants them. Amen. Guy H. King said, no one is a firmer believer in the power of prayer than the devil. Not that he practices it, but because he suffers from it. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Some of you think you're praying to make you better. And it does make you better. But the power that comes out of your mouth when you pray, not as an orphan, but as a son or a daughter. When you lay claim to things that come out of your mouth that sound like victory, even when you're going through hell on earth, the devil don't know what to do with people like you. When you're facing things that are impossible and the only thing you can say is, God, I know with man this is impossible, but God with you, all things are possible. The devil just steps back, shakes his head and says, I don't know what to do with them people. I've tried everything I know. I've tried to depress them. I've tried to distress them, but they will not quit. Come on, somebody. The trouble you're in does not mean that you're out of the will of God. I would say quite the contrary. The reason why you're facing it is because you're in the will of God. And the devil's doing everything he can to fight you and destroy you and discourage you. What should I do, Pastor? Bow up in the Holy Ghost. Square up your shoulders. Open up your mouth and declare the goodness of God. Somebody shout yes. It feels good in here on Wednesday night. We love the book of Acts and we love the day of Pentecost. The Holy Ghost came. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, came out of the upper room. 3,000 were filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. What a great day was it. What a powerful move of God it was. We love to talk about the miracles, the signs and the wonders of the book of Acts. 
But I want to ask you tonight, what was it that they were given to continually? What does your Bible say? That they were given to continually. Was it fundraising? Are you sure it wasn't the peanut brittle club of Jerusalem? Folks, I'm not saying you don't have to work. Don't get me wrong. But they weren't given to fundraising. They were given to prayer. Because when you're given to prayer, God shall supply all your needs. According to His riches which are in glory. Can I break that down for you, Gerber style, right? Can I just break that? Can I get that in your soul? You can't bankrupt heaven. Your problem is not big enough to deplete heaven's resource. Were they constantly given to evangelism? Did they evangelize? Yeah, they did. But what does the Bible say they were continually given to? Was it discipleship? I sat with Brother Holmes in the office uh, after church on Sunday morning a few months ago in Little Rock. And you just have to know his spirit and the way he is. But he'll talk to you for about 30 seconds, get filled in the Lord and start tearing up and crying and so sincere. And he just told me, you know, he, I mean, to him, I'm, I'm just a young man and trying to work hard for God. And uh, right now, uh, FPC, North Little Rock, is the largest church in Pentecost. And he looked at me in the office that morning, got tears in his eyes, and he said, Brother St. Clair, he said, I've tried everything. He said, brother, we've knocked every door around here. I've bought buses. I got buses out there right now. He said, I bought all kinds of buses. We've done everything you could do. He said, but there ain't nothing that works like prayer. No. Now I'm facing get down where we're living because I want to tell you a little secret to that. You know what that means? That means churches that can't afford buses can still grow. That means churches that can't afford $250,000 LED walls for their sign out in the front yard, they can still grow. And furthermore, I want to tell you, if they're not growing, you know why they're not. The lack of growth is not the bus. The lack of growth is not the sign. The lack of growth is prayer. There's got to be prayer in the heart of a church. If the church is going to grow, it's going to be because of prayer. That's it. I wish there was another secret. Man, I do. I'd be like old Simon. Like, what would it cost me to get that? You know, I mean, that wouldn't be fair. I'm not saying a big budget don't help. But if you don't have a budget, you still got power. 
And so, when we read the book of Acts model, we see some things that are so powerful, but we, we, I think we kind of miss it because we like to preach about the miracles and the signs and the wonders and you get in Acts 3 and you can, you can take the whole thing that happened at the gate and I, I don't really have time to jump in too deep in this, but I want you to notice the sequence of how this started, okay? Can we walk through the sequence together? Peter and John are coming to the gate of the temple. And it's the gate that they've been to every day. I don't believe that once they got the Holy Ghost is when they started going every day. I believe they went every day anyway. I believe that's why they stayed in Jerusalem. Because they went to the temple every day. It drives people crazy when I start having this conversation with them that there was not a lot of conversion in the lifestyle of the, the, the 120 in the upper room. There wasn't a lot of change in their lifestyle. The conversion was in their doctrine. They were already separated and holy and praying people. They were all different than Rome. They didn't do what the Romans did. They didn't partake in what the Romans did. They paid their taxes as they had to. And they lived for God. But when Peter and John, in the next chapter, after receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, walked to the gate, the Holy Ghost is what changed the dynamic in the story. In Acts 2, if they would have walked past the gate, they didn't have the Holy Ghost. In Acts 3, after they got the Holy Ghost, which is truly fulfilling the prophecy of Jesus Christ, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes on you in Acts 1 and 8. But they walk up to this man who looked to them expecting. Did, did I bore you all slowing down here a little bit? He looked to them expecting and he had his hand out. Maybe his little hat. Maybe a little tin cup. Whatever his posture, it was expectation. I, I'm expecting. And I believe the reason that he was is because they had probably given him alms before. They were regulars at the temple, and he knew these are good men, and they'll probably throw me a couple mites or something. They'll throw something in my cup to bless me. But something got on Peter and John. And when they stepped up to the man at the gate, as to where before they may have had a few cents to throw in there, they had been locked up in a prayer room for 10 days. There hadn't been a lot of fishing going on. They'd been walking with Jesus for three and a half years. He had supplied everything they needed. And they walked up to this man and said, We don't have any silver or gold. But what you need, we've got it. Are y'all with me? This is the most powerful sequence right here. They were lacking in what we reach for the most. But they had a surplus in what we reach for the least. Let that sink in right there. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because we can measure financial success by the size of the car wash or the size of the peanut brittle or the size of the bake sale. Or we can measure that. But daily prayer, it's hard to measure. And I'm going to tell you why. 
It's because you may sow in the soil of today, but not reap for the soil of three years. Come on now. Is there anybody in here that prayed a prayer for more than six months and God answered it? Okay. Anybody in here that prayed a prayer for many years and the Lord answered it? So you realize that the day you sowed that in the ground was not the day that you got the harvest. And it's hard to measure the value and the power of daily discipline of going to God. Well, I don't want to drive God nuts praying the same thing. I don't think you understand. That's how the kingdom works. You're you're not bothering God when you go to Him every day and say, God, we need you to move and we need you to work. What you're showing God is that He didn't work yesterday, but you came back today believing that God is as able to do it today with no more evidence today than you had yesterday. And you're still saying in this moment right now, I still believe you can. I still believe you will. And so, this is what they were given to continually. But I want to somehow use this visual illustration, if I could tonight, to bring something together. I'm going to take you all to kindergarten. Is that okay? Can we do that? Can anybody tell me what this is on the platform tonight? This is not a trick question. I promise it's not a Tommy gun hidden. Okay. It's a lamp. Can somebody tell me the purpose of a lamp? To give light. This, this is deep right here. I, man, I hope y'all can swim. We're going deep. Whew. So I look at it from a distance, and there's really no secret. I know what it's supposed to do. I know that it has a purpose. Amen. Amen. See, when I'm not deep, you, I know it's got a purpose, right? So, Jocelyn, if you would be so kind, there's a knob on the bottom side of that. Could you walk up there and just give that a good click for me? Just turn it one time counterclockwise, not that you read an analog watch, but no, not the, the switch under the light right there. Yep. Just, okay. Did you hear it click? Okay. It's supposed to come on. Because that's its purpose. Well, it's on. The switch is working. Is there a light bulb in there? There's a bulb in there. So it has all the components to work. And you'd probably be impressed if you saw that sitting next to my desk. I'll be honest. My desk is aluminum. Looks like an aircraft wing. And that thing right there, man, it pops next to my aluminum desk. It looks good. There's been a lot of sermon prep that's happened under that lamp right there. Over many years. But I'm frustrated because I know what it's supposed to do. It's worked for me. It's got a bulb in it. You heard the click when she turned the switch, but it's not working. So when you've got all of the components, it's got everything it needs to stand, 
It's got everything it needs to reach. It's even got some flexibility. Y'all ain't going to help me. If you need it to move, yeah, I can, I can do that. Yeah, I can. Yeah, oh yeah, we got this. It's got some adjustability to it. But it has no power. Are y'all gurgling under the water yet? When I look at the church of the living God, man, we're standing. We are, we're standing. I thank God for this church. You are some of the most flexible people. I'm, it's unbelievable. Now, I'm not saying we don't ever have trouble and it's not stressful at times. That's just, that's family. That's the way that happens. But you are precious people. I thank God that I'm your pastor. I thank God that he hand-selected you and selected me to stand on the wall and pastor this church. And I can tell you beyond a doubt, before God, I'm here because I don't want to be anywhere else. This is where I want to be. But when you take a look at the potential that's in this church, and that's what I spend my life doing, is looking at the potential that's in this church. I see missionaries in here. I see evangelists in here. I see Bible study teachers in here. I see people that are gifted beyond what you could ever imagine. And you're even flexible. And when we call on things like missions conference, some of you dig down deep. Some of you have sacrificed and truly given beyond your means. I know of people in this church that emptied out your accounts so that we could launch PCA in this church. It's flexibility. But I'm going to ask you a simple question. What good does it do us to raise $100,000 and launch a school and bring kids in here five days a week and there be no power in this church? I got friends that pastor in the South. $100,000 ain't squat. I mean that. That ain't nothing for this church. (laughs) That's a mega deal. And this church did that. But if we get all of our programs right, and we don't have prayer in this church, The difference in fulfilling potential and looking good is getting plugged in. I don't know if I can do this or not. I, asked, I was going to ask somebody for a quarter because I don't have one. Watch this. Y'all ain't even ready for this. This is deep revelation. Now, baby, I don't want you to do anything different than you did before, but this is what I know. We're in need of power. And all I need you to do is just reach out and try. Would you try? Did she do anything different? Did we do anything magical? No. We took the loose end and we connected it to power. And the power went to the right place. And when we needed it, silver and gold have I none but When you reach out to grab it and nothing happens, you know it's because it's not plugged in. But you don't have to be afraid to pray over cancer. 
You don't have to be afraid to tell a drug addict that Jesus is better than crack. When you've been plugged in, I'm talking about finding a way every day of your life. You don't know when you're going to need it. You don't know when it's going to get dark. You just know you're plugged in. And whenever somebody needs it, they can reach out and touch it. And the power is there. This man, I know this is elementary, but oh my God, we need this tonight. I don't care how big this church gets. We're not going to build this church on music. Y'all, I wish I was good enough to build this church on preaching. But we're not going to build this church on preaching. There's been way better preachers than me that have filled this pulpit. We're not going to build this church on preaching. It's not going to happen. We're going to build this church when people walk through the doors. And as soon as they step through the doors, they say, I ain't never walked in a church that feels like this. If you remember the first time you walked in an apostolic church and you knew there was something different when you walked in the door, I just want you to throw your hand. You knew there wasn't just some kind of religious movement. You felt something when you walked in the door. I want to tell you, that was not the music that you felt. That was not the coffee syrup that you felt from the cafe. It's the power of being plugged in in prayer. song it's one of my favorite choir songs of all times I think it was Smallwood uh, you are the source of my strength right Lord I total praise Lord I will lift my eyes to the hills knowing my help is coming from you right and it builds that you are the source of my strength you are the strength of my life But if we're not careful, we're going to look at the pulpit and say, you are. Because the pastor ain't preaching, I don't really want to go. I'm not real sure, because I don't really like the way they do worship on Wednesday night. Come on, somebody. We're going to look at the kids' ministry and say, well, you know, there's one up the street that, man, they got a budget. They may have a budget. But you're going to have to search far and wide to find somebody that will pray over your kids like Brother Haney. These folks pray over your children. Come on. These folks pray over your children. Sister Darla, thank you for all of your years of praying for my children in Sunday school. Sister Sandy, thank you for praying for our children in Sunday school. Come on, every teacher, you could have gave up a long time ago. Sister Susan, thank you, thank you for praying over our kids. You know what I'm scared to death of? I'm scared to death. We had this happen just a minute ago. 
that I'm going to send one of my children. He said, baby, we need some power. One of my three. I'm not talking about yours. I'm talking about one of my three. He said, baby, daddy needs you to pray right now. When they reach up to grab hold, they said, well, daddy, you quit preaching. That we got to live holy and you just started giving in, Daddy, to everything that the world does. And so now, we've tried. But there's just no power anymore. Uh, I'm going to tell you. What scares me to death, folks, please listen to me. This is, this is on my mind all the time. Because I'm not living in fear, but I'm living aware it's one thing for a church to have never experienced the true power of prayer it's another thing for a church that's been plugged in but finally say no that's not necessary anymore and to reach in and unplug it and then when the sick walk in off the street but we wanted to be cool so we took our pulpit off and we got this neat little thing that we can move anytime. I, and I know, I know this is probably stupid to a lot of people. And if anybody's listening to this from another church and you got flimsy plexiglass, that's all right. I'm not being mean. I'm, I'm being serious. I'm not, try, I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill. I'm saying, is it any wonder how tender we've got I think, Bishop, I'm probably going to get in trouble. But things that used to be the most solid. Now we can get a 12-year-old boy that's a platform assistant. Just come get it so they can dance on the platform and do their praise dance routine. Then when it's time for the teacher to come out, we'll move another pulpit. Listen. I don't care what kind of pulpit you got. If the man's not praying, nothing's going to happen with it anyway. But this right here, this right here produces carnality in a church. This produces a spirit in a church that says, you know, I know, I know that pastors preach convictions in this church, but I'm a, I'm a big enough person, I can, I can live with it. I know. I told some guys the other day, they called me and said, is this really a heaven or hell issue? I said, look, you need to be a leader. And you need to be a man enough to admit, as a pastor, this is not a black and white scripture thing. This is something God convicted me about. And we're not going to do it in this church. Be a man enough to say that. I'm convicted of that. But the Holy Ghost is what convicted me of that. And if I, if I turn my back on what the Holy Ghost said, all I'm doing, Bishop, is reaching down to the source, and I'm unplugging it. And whenever somebody walks through the back door that's in darkness, and they come looking for light in this altar, they're going to be sorely displeased when they say, but I've heard there's power in this church.
we parade our lamps around and they've become they've become our victory because of their beauty our churches are more beautiful than they've ever been I think this church is still pretty with 15 year old carpet that's ratting I think this church is still pretty Noah with pro presenter sick I think this church is pretty with a sound system that's outdated. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't know that we've ever had five people walk in this church that said, that sounds good. But we've had masses that have walked in and said, what was that I felt when I walked in? Matter of fact, Pastor, what is that that I feel right now? Pastor, while you're talking to me, I've got chills running up and down my arms. That's not because of our music. It's because we're plugged in in prayer and we can't afford to lose it. Let's let's stand. I'm on the first half page. But the push for the modern church is community, 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 community. It's all you have. It's a place of belonging. It's, you got to belong, got to belong, got to belong. But the problem is, is that after you've been belonging, and you got a sick baby. You need something that's better than the top-notch espresso machine in the cafe. Come on, church. I I, I was talking to a man the other day. and, And he said to Dad and I, he said, you know, we, we switched churches recently. And he said, we started going to this certain church. He told us the name of it. He said, at first, I didn't think I was going to like it. He said, because it's, it's just a screen on the platform. And he said, we just sit in the, in the congregation, and the pastor preaches in the, in the main church. We're a satellite church. And he said, I didn't think I was going to like it, but we just sit there in, in the sanctuary, and they turn on the screen, and he preaches to us on the screen. And I, look, I want to do it however we can. You understand that? We've used video to preach. I got to watch Uncle Mike this week uh, preaching 6 o'clock, whatever it was in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning in the Philippines. I'm thankful for that. But the words, the way he said it, he said, you know, it's just kind of comfortable. We just, we just go in, sit down, the big screen on the platform. After he preached, we, you know, we're done. I, I kinda, he said, I kind of like it. But James said, if there be any sick among you, come here, Brother Stephen. Now, I want you to stay right there, and I just want you to watch me. You feel that? You feel anything? No? Why don't you feel anything? Come a little closer, would you? Thomas, behold. 
Oh, see, some of you missed what I just did right there. Thomas came to Jesus after his resurrection and he said, I'm not sure. Jesus didn't say, watch me. He said, go ahead, Thomas. Stick your hands in the nail prints. Go ahead, Thomas. Feel that right there. That's where they thrust the spear through my side. There are some things you're never going to get by being unplugged and watching church on your phone and on YouTube. At some point, you need to come to the house of the Lord and let the elders lay hands on you and pray the prayer of faith. I'm sorry if it's old-fashioned, but I believe plugged in means you get plugged in in prayer and you get plugged in in a church. 